0: Good morning. good morning oh that was hearty thank you now today we start a new series getting ready for christmas and today's topic is being thankful for what we have are you thankful for what you have it's a question that i ask myself quite a bit in preparing for this christian are you really thankful for what you have. Are you aware of what you have? Are you thankful for that? Do you know, we, we know that these are economically challenging times and I'm I'm assuming challenging for many of you. It's difficult being thankful during challenging times, isn't it? It's, it's tough for me. Not just during challenging times. I find that thankfulness doesn't come natural anytime. How about you? Is thankfulness something that comes natural to you? I find that even in times of a lot of blessing, that very few negative things can totally overwhelm and outweigh all the blessings in my life. Have you found that? You know, recently, when, after we've moved here, um, we found a house that we, that we purchased and wanted to move into as quickly as possible, and we knew we had some renovation to do, and it turned into a major it was a sugar house home, built in the 40s, and surprises at every corner. And in the midst of that, actually, we just moved in Friday. So it's been two and a half months that we've been here before we could move into this house. And in the midst of that, we've had countless blessings. I mean, one sits right here, Darren Whitaker. He has spent almost, I don't know, almost every spare minute he's had helping us on this house. So have many others. People have given of their time and resources incredibly generously. Blessings over blessings. And then this week, <laughs> Wednesday, was my study day for today. And I'm going to Coffee Connection, and I'm coming from the house. And a couple of things had gone wrong. I had hired two handy guys that weren't really on top of things. And they had, they had put our cabinet handles at the bottom <laughs> of the cabinet, the floor cabinets. So I almost had to get on my knees to open them. And I came in, and I was like, what are you guys doing? And anyway, so I, I'm leaving the house to go prepare a sermon on thankfulness and all I had was anger in my heart. And so I sit down and read this passage that we're going to talk about and think about, man, thankfulness for what I have and here I am just being so upset about something so little in the presence of so many blessings that we've received. Found a quote by Aldous Huxley. He says, Most human beings have an almost infinite capacity for taking things for granted don't we i do do you find yourself sometimes with a sense of entitlement i do i remember one time i I must have been maybe eight or nine we always spent christmas day with my grandparents on my father's side and that specific year i had a very specific wish and my heart was so set on that it was a time when they had these wristwatches that had a little calculator at the bottom of it they were like the hottest thing going at that point and and I wanted one so badly and I was so used to getting what I wanted for christmas and so I had made it very clear to both my parents and my grandparents that that is what I wanted so then it came, it was my point, my time to, to unwrap my gift, and my grandma gave me this package, and I could already feel. That was not a little hard box with a watch in it. It was something soft, and I had this sense of trepidation. I, I kind of knew what that was. See, at the time, we lived on a hobby farm, and we had sheep and a horse. And my mother, bless her heart, she's, she's actually going to watch this on Tuesday on YouTube, so, Mom, I love you, but... <laughs> but uh, what we would do once a year, we would have somebody come and shave, or no, you don't shave sheep, you shear them or something, anyway, so they would get all the wool off them, you know, and then my mom would spin them, you know, she had this thing where she would be pushing it and make little, you know, wool out of it, that, and then my grandmother was the knitter and whatever, and so I opened it, and it was one of those wonderful, very scratchy, smelly sheep vests. <laughs> that I just loved wearing to school because those vests were like the hottest thing. And, (laughs) and it was one of those vests and you know, I, you know, you want to be thankful. Our parents tell us whatever you get from your grandparents, be thankful and joyful. And I was sitting, my chin just started quivering, you know, and then in the midst of the vest was my watch, you know, but I was so set on having that and becoming so unthankful so quickly. Now, that's a small issue. I was a little kid. You know, you don't really get all that yet. But then the last 10 years, my wife and I have been missionaries. And most missionaries live on a system called a support system where you go around and you tell people very excitedly of the ministry that you're in and the fruitfulness. And would they please send in a check every month so that you can get a salary? So your salary is based on gifts that others send in. And you would think that that would give you this great sense of thankfulness for all the people that send in those checks. But you know what I found myself having in my heart? Was a growing sense of entitlement of, you know, I really need this and they really should be doing this. And if a check wasn't sent in a month, it was like, well, what? what happened? This, this belongs to me. And this sense of entitlement cre- crept in, even in the midst of ministry. And I think that especially us in the Western world we have this sense of entitlement of what we need to have, what we should have for, you know, living, don't we? I um, took a trip to Armenia about a year and a half ago to set up a mission trip. Um, a team of professional soccer players who were going to go to Armenia and do some ministry there. And that was probably the poorest place I had ever gone to. Armenia is probably the poorest country in Eastern Europe. Um, Moldova, I mean, there's lots of them, but the needs, the, I, I had never encountered those kind of needs. Families, there was a family we visited with eight children living in a 20-foot container, kind of the kind of stuff that our, our, our furniture was sent over here, an overseas container without windows, no water, no electricity, and they were sleeping on the floor, family, two parents and eight children. And really, for the first time, to that degree, was I confronted with that kind of need. And it just kind of puts things into perspective. It really does. And so now, here we are, getting ready for Christmas. And now, if you've spent any time watching TV recently, we're already being bombarded <laughs> with commercials of things we really need to have, don't we? And things our children really need to have, especially... And you know what? It's working. It works on me. All this stuff, more and more and more. But I don't want to put a guilt trip on anybody, but we do want to get ready for Christmas in a godly way, in a way that Scripture encourages us to. And So as I prepared for this, I thought, you know, what do I have just on top of my... Mind, what can I think of right away that I can be thankful for? And this is the list that I came up with within a minute or so. I can be so thankful for my wife. I'm thankful for my kids. I'm thankful for my parents. Yes, mom. Thankful for you. Thankful for friends for a home. For the first time in four and a half months, we're in our home. We're not living with very wonderful friends and wonderful homes we live in my home. I have a job. I have a car, I'm fairly healthy and yeah, and this is my splurge. Thankful for HDTV. (laughs) Um, I'm thankful for coworkers. Honestly, I couldn't think of a better group of people to work with and I'm so thankful for everyone here that I get to work with. And then on a really basic note, just things like living in a free society, clean water, there's places where that isn't, isn't normal. So many things that just within a minute we can think of. And I want you to, to not just take a minute. Let's close your eyes. Just take a minute. And I know that many of you are struggling. But I would just want just take a minute and, th- and think of, of five things that you can be thankful for this morning. Would you do that? Well, I don't know what, what is on your list. If I look at my list... There are great things, you know, especially family, wife, children, friends that really mean a lot, and HDTV. But um, you know, all of those things really aren't ultimately satisfying and meaningful. All of those things are out of my control. Even family, even wife, even kids are out of my control. Sometimes spouses leave. Sometimes they're taken away. Sometimes. Children are taken away, and we've experienced it recently. Jobs are so insecure. So I'm wondering, and this is what I wanted to explore with you this morning, is there more that we can be thankful for? Is there something deeper, something more foundational that we can be thankful for? And in my study on this in Scripture this week, I would venture to say that besides the topic of love, and everything that, that entitles thankfulness is probably the most prevalent theme in scripture outside of, of love and God's love for us. So it's a huge topic and it really not just in scripture and life. If something's repeated over and over and over and over again, it probably means it's important to the one giving the message. So I want to have a look at what does scripture have to say about thankfulness. And my prayer is that this morning we walk out of here with a sense that God's just filled our hearts with thankfulness for what he has given us. That is my prayer for this morning. So let's have a look together at Colossians chapter 3 verses 15 through 17. This is what Paul wrote to the Colossians. Let the peace of Christ rule in your heart, since as members of one body you were called to peace, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom, and as you sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs with gratitude in your hearts to God. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father, through him so three verses and each time three times in each verse one time god talks about thankfulness be thankful have gratitude in your hearts and then again give thanks to god the father and there's three thoughts that i want to leave with you from this passage and the first, the first one is that we can be thankful for the peace of Christ in our hearts first and foremost in verse 15 let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts since you as members of one body were called to peace and be thankful everyone wants peace only everybody wants a sense of peace in their hearts do you know what if i read scripture correctly then the only source of that peace in our hearts is christ i want to read to you romans 5 verse 1 therefore since we have been justified through faith we have peace with god through whom through our lord jesus christ and then jesus himself says in john 14 verse 27 and this is the last time that jesus spends with his disciples john chapter 13 through 17 what is called the upper room discourse and it's the last evening that Jesus spends with his disciples. And it's the time when he says, these are the things that I need you to know before I leave you. And this is what he says to them, to them in chapter 14, verse 27. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I, not give, I don't give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. Again, peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. What's interesting to me in this Colossians passage is that obviously peace with Christ or Christ's peace in our hearts automatically leads to peace with one another. As believers. As followers of Christ. And I think that's because if we have that peace and that thankfulness in our hearts, there's no more need to compare. Say, oh, what do they have? What do I have? And there's no room for envy and jealousy because we're secure in the peace that Christ has put into our hearts. And also, thankfulness focuses away from us. Thankfulness always looks away from us and looks to the source, the object of thankfulness. It looks to God as the giver of all good things. As I read this verse, I stumbled across this word rule, to let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. To me, rule always sounds so harsh. It means somebody you know, is, is oppressing me, telling me what to do in a sense. And we looked that word up, and actually Dave Nelson shared this with me. The root word of this word translated rule here has the meaning of an umpire, a referee, having the final call, making the final call, on a decision that needs to be made. And a referee, of course, is the one that, that rules over the conduct of a field of a, of a game and, and how it's being uh, conducted. And so the sense of this word here is that the peace of Christ is the determining factor in the life in life's decisions that we make in the decisions that we make about how do you, how do I respond to this person? What decision do I make? What life decision do I make? The peace of Christ is what underlies all of those decisions in our life. It's the foundation of our life. So we can be thankful for the peace that Christ wants to give us as a gift, as followers of him. But then there's also the flip side that an attitude of thankfulness leads to more peace in our hearts. In researching for this, I found an article by a professor, Robert Emmons of the University of California. He's a psychologist and leading figure in the new field of gratitude research. Isn't that interesting? There's a field of gratitude research. It's amazing how people earn their money. But um, this is, now this is secular research. This is not, as far as I know, a a follower of Christ who, who does his research in scripture. He says, people who describe themselves as feeling grateful to others or God tend to have higher vitality and more optimism, suffer less stress, oh, that'd be good for me, and experience fewer episodes of clinical depression than the population as a whole. So, Scripture already knew this thousands of years ago, that thankfulness leads to peace in our hearts. And secular research confirms that. And generally speaking, I would say that when I experience a lack of peace in my heart, when I'm restless and uncontent and have no joy in my heart, that usually it comes from a period in my life where I was very self-centered, self-seeking, and just dissatisfied with the things that I have or the point that I'm at in my life, where I've taken my focus off of God and onto my circumstances. And the pity party starts kicking in. And dissatisfaction and a lack of peace is the result of it. But thankfulness, like I said before, points away from me and looks at the provider of that object, or he of the object of my thankfulness, and the realization of what Christ has done for me and the peace that He's provided in my heart. Points away to self and leads to humility and thankfulness. My mom told me a story. Just recently, um, about a young lady that she counseled. My mom went through a deep, deep depression when I was about 11. We had moved far away within Germany to a new place that was completely... We had nobody there. We didn't know anybody. It was for my dad's job, and my mom slipped into a deep, deep depression. That Thankfully, the Lord lifted her out of. But as a result of that, she, she had... Quite a bit of ministry to other, especially women that had that suffered from depression. And at one point she got a phone call from a young lady who was basically ready to end her life. And my mom talked with her and they met together and my mom asked her, Is there anything in your life that you can be thankful for right now? Is there anything that you could say, I'm thankful for this? And I don't know if you've ever struggled with depression. It is so hard to look away from yourself at that point. And look out of that dark place. And she said, no, I can't think of anything I could be thankful for. So my mom started making a list for her. She just made a list of things that she saw in this young woman and in her life that she felt she could be thankful for. And so she made that list and the list became longer and longer, surprisingly long. And at the end, my mom handed it to her. Not to say, no, look, see all the things you can be thankful for. Just to kind of start, point her in that direction and say, this is what I see. These are things in your life that I can be thankful for on your behalf. She gave her the list and said, I just encourage you, add one thing a day to that list. And ask God every day, God, show me something that I can be thankful for. And add one of them each day to that list. And she did, and God gave her that strength to find one thing a day to add and to add to that list. And eventually she said that was the step that helped her come out of that dark place and back to a place where she could focus away from her own hurt and pain and start looking back at God as the giver of all good things and lift her out of that point of depression. Being thankful sometimes takes an effort, but it helps us maintaining peace in our hearts. And it gives us a spirit of humble gratitude. And if we have that, that attitude of humble gratitude, it's impossible for that not to affect people around us. And I have found that being around people like that, that peace and humility and an attitude of thankfulness are contagious. If you're around those people, it just just bleeds into you. So what are we ultimately thankful for? It's the fact that we can and that we have peace with God. When we realize the grace and the forgiveness and the mercy that God has poured out in our lives, if I realize what he has poured out in my life, I can't help but be thankful for the source of that, that peace, and that is Christ. That is Christ alone. And if I let that peace reign in my heart, it will affect people around me. People will notice it. This passage also says that we're called to peace. How, how can you be called to peace? I think it, it requires an, just an attitude of gratefulness. And it brings around humility because we realize that peace in our hearts is nothing that we earned. It's nothing that we worked for. It was a gift that Jesus freely gave us. So it leads to to humility. John MacArthur, and I close this point with a quote by John MacArthur. He said, individuals who have peace with Christ and in their own hearts will live in unity and harmony with each other. So we can be thankful for the peace that Christ has given us as as his followers. And then secondly, in verse 16, we can be thankful for God's revealed truth in our lives. Let's read verse 16 again together. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom. And as you sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs with gratitude in your hearts to God we can be thankful for God's revealed truth. Because once we live in His truth, we live in reality. We don't live in some illusion that we have made up and come up with. I don't know about you, being taught at being admonished isn't something I always cherish. It can be hard and difficult, but it's necessary. And I can point back to points in my life where, where friends who loved me, did the difficult thing. It came to me. It confronted me of things. I can think especially of one friend, Daniel. We went to Bible school together. And yes, I was in Bible school, but my dating habits weren't really the best. And uh, I remember him coming to my room one evening and sitting me down and laying it out. And I just felt like punching him in the face. I mean, he, he just laid out. says, Christian, the way you, you, you date is just is ungodly. You, you heard, girls, it's just not right. And at, the point, at that point, I wish I could tell you, you know, God just melted my heart and immediately I, it t- I turned around and got back on the right path, but it took a little bit. And at the time, I was really, really upset, but, but a little bit later, I started. God started <laughs> convicting me. He was right. It wasn't pleasant, but I could look back and be thankful for, for him doing what, what was tough for him to do at the time and confront me but looking back, I can be thankful for that. He talks here in verse 16 about singing psalms and of gratitude to God. And I find that music and singing is a really powerful expression of, of feelings that I have. And we see it all through psalms. You know that all of psalms are basically songs? Mostly of gratitude to God. So one powerful way to express our gratitude is is singing to God, and it's simply a response to the amazing grace that we have experienced by him. And thankfulness for the times of teaching and for the times of correcting and admonishing that we have experienced. And you know the humility that I talked about in, in the first part, how, how thankfulness leads to humility? That humility will help us accept that teaching and accept that correcting whether it comes from directly from the Word of God or from people that God sends our way. It says here we can be thankful for his word, dwelling richly within us, and dwelling is another one of those words where you just think dwelling okay what what does that really mean? Okay you you dwell in a place you live in it, but the, what the word really means is is to be abundantly and extravagantly rich to to not just be in a house, but to, but to fill it out completely. The best illustration that I could come up with is a glove. You know, this glove has nothing in it really can't do anything right now. But if I go in and this is a little tight, remember if it doesn't fit a quit, but, (laughs) but I can, I can make it in here and man, it is snug. My hand dwells in this glove. And anything my fingers do, the glove does. That's, that's what dwelling is talking about. Letting God's word dwell in us richly. Letting Christ dwell in us richly means he fills out every nook and cranny. And when we move, it's because God moves. Jesus moves in us. That's what, what dwelling means. And as followers, Christ, the living word, dwells in us. How much is that visible? In our life. But we can be thankful that, that he does dwell in us. And need to give him that room. And allow him to work in our lives. And I find it interesting that he teaches about admonishing. Right after he taught about peace first. Paul talks about the peace of Christ in our hearts. And then he talks about admonishing. And I think it's just another indicator. That admonishing should always take place. In the context of a peaceful, loving relationship that if we has, have peace with each other, I can give you the right to speak truth into my life and be thankful that God put you in my life to do that, to be a friend that speaks truth and admonishes. And the goal is always, we read that in Timothy three 16, the goal is always that the one receiving the teaching and admonishing would be better equipped. It's not to feed your own ego. Well, I told him the goal is always out of love for that person, that that person would be better equipped to serve Christ as a result of the teaching and the admonishing, the correcting. Then in verse 16, he also talks about thankfulness in our hearts. I find it's really easy to voice thankfulness with our mouth, isn't it? But what he's talking about here is not just an exercise of voicing thankfulness he's talking about an an attitude of the heart that overflows with thankfulness it's more than voices it's it's our entire being having the perspective of God's grace that leaves no room for self praise or pride or personal ambition So we can be thankful for the peace of Christ in our hearts. We can be thankful for God's word and the truth of his word in our lives. And then thirdly, if we look at verse 17, it says, And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. So really, it doesn't matter what circumstance we find ourselves in. In all circumstances, in everything we do or say, we should do it being thankful through Christ Jesus. It's the knowledge that that we are in his hand and that all things will work out for those who love Christ. It's this thankfulness for knowing that we are secure in his hand and that circumstances, that he's bigger than circumstances. When we were getting ready to move here, we had already moved out of our house and had to sell our van, and we were driving someone else's van that they had graciously given us until we, we got our visas to come here. So we were driving someone else's van, and we were going out for supper, and I was parking it in our little village on the marketplace, which had a very steep incline, and you had to go up and then park parallel on this, on this steep incline street. And so we went to eat, and we came back, and we approached the parking lot, and I see a van that resembled the van that we were using at the time that had rolled down the hill and had hit a huge flower pot, completely crushed it, but the flower pot had kept it from running actually onto the main street and across it and into the window of a shop on the other side. But I got there and said, this this can't be the van we're driving. And the closer I got, I said, yes, this is the van you were driving. And at the time, my stress level was already at a point that was hard to take. We we were out of the house. We were living in someone else's house. We didn't know when we were going to have the visa. And it was just a stressful time. And I got to that van. And I thought, why did that have to happen now? I mean, what could possibly be good about this right now? I was so angry. And my wife had actually parked the van. So I was really angry at her. She said, Can, can't you park a car? I mean, all the things you want to say and shouldn't say, you know. And in the end, the van had a tiny little scratch from that flower pot. The insurance paid for the flower pot. The pot had kept it literally from running into Main Street, and it it would have run right across and smashed a huge shop window. Who knows what could have happened? And on top of that, two weeks later, we had to move homes, and we moved into a house on the steepest, longest hill in town. Seriously, it was a major hill. And... Had that accident not happened, and we wouldn't have known that the handbrake wasn't really working well, and we would have parked on that street, that van would have probably killed somebody. It would have gone down like a 200-yard hill, incredibly steep. It for sure would have totaled several cars if not killed somebody. And we literally, the first night in that apartment, Sandrine and I were thinking saying, Lord, thank you for having let that happen because it could have been so much worse. And at the time, when it happened, I said, what, really, I really struggled with God's God. Why this now? This was so seemingly useless. But with the perspective of two weeks later, I said, thank you, God, for letting that happen. So circumstances sometimes seem out of control and hard to appreciate. But that was an example for me how God works out Everything for the good, for those who love him. He protected us from a major incident. So our thankfulness is not based on circumstances, good or bad. It's based on the knowledge of Christ and what he's done for us and the peace that he's given us. First Chronicles 16.34 says, Give thanks to the Lord, not for anything he's given to you, but why? For he is good. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. That's enough. Now, of course, there are specific occasions to be thankful, and I have plenty of them. I have Darren here to be thankful for, and Brad, and Jason, and John, and Ellen, who have put countless hours into my house. and That's great, and we need to express that. But more important, and underlying all that, is the fundamental sense of thankfulness for what Christ has done, for the forgiveness he's given us, and the peace that flows out of that. Thessalonians, 1 Thessalonians 5.18 says, Give thanks in all circumstances. And this is interesting, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. It is Christ's will for us to be thankful and to give Thanks. And the goal of thankfulness, again, it's not, it's not that God needs it and he's taking, making a check. Well, okay, he thanked me for that. Okay. It's not that God needs our thankfulness. Yes, it glorifies him, but he knows that we need it, that we need a grateful heart because it is good for us. It's a source of encouragement and strength and peace. And it's, a, it's an attitude that oozes from us into the people around us and blesses them and is good for our soul. It blesses others and it honors God. In closing, I want to read two Psalms to you. First one is Psalm 145 verses 1 through 7 where David just expresses this thankfulness. It's this singing of a psalm that we just read about in Colossians 3.16. He says, I will exalt you, my God, the King. I will praise your name forever and ever. Every day I will praise you and extol your name forever and ever. Great is the Lord and most worthy of praise. His greatness no one can fathom. And then Psalm 50, verse 14 through 15 and 23 says, Sacrifice thank offerings to God. Fulfill your vows to the Most High and call upon me in the day of trouble. I will deliver you and you will honor me. He who sacrifices thank offerings honors me and prepares the way so that I may show him the salvation of God. Bringing thank offerings. Offerings of thanks to God lead God to show his salvation to us, to, re- to reveal himself to us, to show who he is to us. So I want to encourage you and me to make thanks our offering to him today. Why? Because it honors him. So let's give him thanks and acknowledge that he is the giver of all good things in our lives. And I love, again, how here in verse 23 in Psalm um, 54, he says that out of this true heart of worship, a true attitude of worshiping him, comes God's revealed character back to us. Us knowing him comes out of thanking him. If we truly thank him, we will see him for who he truly is. And that's what we want, isn't it? That's what I want for me. That's what I want for you, that we would truly know him more and more for who he is.